Father, I thank you for today. I thank you just for the privilege that we have, Father, to come together, uh, the freedom that we have to worship you, God. I lift up those, Father, that are uh, meeting all around the world, Father, that don't have that freedom, God, that you would encourage them, they would strengthen their faith today, God. And Father, I pray that you would encourage and strengthen the faith of each person in this room today, that you would you have something for each and every one of us, God, and I just pray that our hearts and our minds would be open and ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen.
could have sworn I heard you talking Or maybe it was just a dream It sounded something like redemption An echo from a younger day Lord, how long have I been drifting? My tears are falling as I
thank you, Lord Jesus, yet again for a new day. Your word declares that your mercies are new every morning. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, God, that we're able to open up your word this morning, God. Your living word. I pray, God, as your word goes forth, Father, that our hearts will be of good soil to receive. That will take root and produce lasting fruit in our lives. So I pray, God, that we would not neglect um, daily reading your word and seeking you. Your word says that if we seek you, we shall find you. If we seek you with our whole heart. Your word also declares, God, that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I thank you for that, God, as we collectively come together this morning, drawing near to you. Oh, God, how we need you. Lead, guide, and direct our time, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. It has been our verse for the year. The kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. It's not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. And I pray that as I've been praying that, and hopefully you've been praying it, it's just a simple verse for a whole year that has been set before us to challenge us not to be a religious people. There's enough religious people in the world. <laughs> and religious people cannot impact the kingdom of God. The people that God, Jesus himself, had issues with on this earth were the religious people. Those who thought they were close to God, those who even knew God's word, those who were even leading God's people were the ones that he had issues with. The ones that should have been so close to God were so far away from God. Jesus had compassion on the lost. He had compassion on the the sinners because he knew his purpose. His purpose wasn't to come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. A lot of people hear that and say, well, then Jesus doesn't condemn me. We have to understand that in the same understanding that he didn't come into the world to to, to condemn the world, but he came to save it because he knew that the world already stood condemned. Mankind stands condemned. This earth and its inhabitants is already condemned because they're in complete rebellion towards God. Complete rebellion towards God. Everyone is born into sin. They're born in complete rebellion towards God. And God knew this. And that's why God made provision through Jesus to save us. This is the message of the gospel. There's no other religion on the face of this earth that has the hope that Christianity has. I want you to think about that for a moment. There's no other religion. No matter how man schemes up or tries to conjure up, there's no other religion on the face of this earth that offers hope. 
And I've, and, I've, and I've challenged you before. You can go and you can study all the different religions. You can get involved with all the different religions. And one thing you will notice is that every single one of them has biblical truth tied to them. It's just twisted. It's just twisted. How does the enemy work? He comes to deceive. Twist scripture. And that's why I've always told you, and I've always encouraged you all, when you hear the word of God being preached and it's giving you the right to yourself, it's not the word of God. Because the word of God, the true essence of the word of God, draws you to God. And you see yourself for who you are a sinner. Like, wait a minute, like, I'm, I'm apart from you, but yet you're offering me this hope. This hope. That it's not about me cleaning myself up, it's just about me trusting in you and what you've done for me to reconcile me back to you so that I can be at peace with my Creator. That's why Jesus came. He came to save. He came to set the captives free. And there's an all-out war going on in the heavenly realms. And I've been reminding us throughout this year, every morning you're waking up behind enemy lines. And as the days are approaching to the return of Christ, the world is only growing darker. It's only getting darker. And it's going to get worse. Jesus himself tells us what the days are to become. And it's interesting that the the faith that's getting the most persecution is Christianity. And, And logically that wouldn't make sense. Because governments, employers, people would want Christians around because they are the kind, kindness they're kind, they're, they're compassionate, they're, they're hard workers, they don't cheat, they don't steal, they're, they're committed, they're faithful, their message is of love, their message is of hope, and yet they're being slaughtered all over the world at the highest rate ever, tracked. Don't believe it? Go look it up. It's just not talked about. There's a war going on for mankind. It's a spiritual war. Our eyes physically, in a sense, can't see it. (laughs) But it's before us. And the Bible is very clear about it. The temporalness of this life, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. We weren't created for the temporalness of life. We were created for eternity. And God knows this. That's why God sent Jesus. He willingly came to set us free. That we would be a different people on the face of this earth. That we wouldn't just be a lot of talk. Oh, I go to church. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I know a few verses here and there. Or maybe I know the whole Bible. (laughs) Maybe I pray all these hours a day. Maybe I do this. Maybe I preach. Maybe I do this. Maybe I don't do nothing. Maybe I just know it. 
But it's just knowledge. It's just words. And the Bible says that is not part of the kingdom of God. That doesn't even represent the kingdom of God. So the truth of the scripture is the second part of it. It's living by God's power. It's living by God's power. This Christian life is not based on us any longer. If we're in Christ, it's based on him. We trust in him. We wake up every day, God, I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in your promise that I am in Christ. And as I'm, as I'm in Christ, as I'm growing in this knowledge, my life is transforming. There's something different taking place in me. I'm not clinging to the old. I'm not, I'm not doing what I used to do. There is a difference coming from me. And it's not because I'm forced to do it. No, I willingly want to lay it down and give it to you. Because all that you gave to me. And then people see something different. People go, wait a minute, you're different. There's something different about you. And you can't point to yourself. You can't point to the 12 steps you did. You can't point to, to this or to that. You only can point to Jesus. It's because I gave my life to Jesus. Like he's changed me. And if he does it for me, he can do it for you. Like he's not a respecter of person. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter how far we think we've gone, he's there. Like he's there constantly. Constantly he's there revealing himself. That's why I love the word of God when it says God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus. Like God you are, the creator of heaven and earth. Like he is, he is constant in our lives revealing himself. I keep giving you this picture throughout the year. God is not stiff arming us. He's not saying, look at you, look how horrible you are, look at all the wrong you've done, like, I'm not, I don't even love you. He's, like, he's not saying any of that. He's not stiff-arming us. He's not berating us. He's not beating us down. His arms are open. He says, if you would just turn to me, like, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. It's us who stiff arms God. It's the created. Stiff arming the creator saying, you're not God. We're going to do what we want. Oh, oh, maybe I'll just do a little church, but I'm not doing all of it. And we make it all about us. And that is the wrong attitude. That's the wrong attitude. The wrath of God is coming, you all. And I know that's not popular to preach, But the wrath of God is coming. And when it hits this earth, all hell is going to be unleashed. Like just because Jesus came didn't stop God's plan. Jesus came to save people from God's wrath. And that's why I always keep telling us, why would we trade his love for his wrath? Like it's coming. Like remember that war I was just talking about? We may not physically see it in the spiritual realm, but we can testify and look around that the world is getting darker. Perversion is increasing. The occult is increasing. Murder, strife, it's increasing. 
lawlessness. It's increasing. The one world government is at hand. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? I keep telling you, it's like living in one of these weird Christian movies. <clears throat> these end time movies. I don't know if any of you have seen If you haven't, come spend a Sunday with me. I've got a few of them. It's the most weirdest thing. And yet we're living it. You go, wait a minute. Like God, who could have predicted this? God. And I know mankind likes to tell us, oh, but man wrote the Bible. No, no. Man penned as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And there's no way men or a group of men who were set apart in different times could collectively come together to write something that is coming true right before our eyes. Oh, I'm telling you, if, you, you, if those who weren't here Friday night, you need to come on a Sunday afternoon and just spend time with me. You need to watch the documentary that we watched. It's not, it's not crazy folks. <laughs> this is an actual man who, 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 who was a congressman who actually did his research. And since, uh, <laughs> since forever... <laughs> But even back when he started tracking back in 1930, they knew how to destroy America. And that was destroy the church. Think about that. In order to destroy a nation that was the light to other nations because of its foundation in Christ they said destroy her church and you'll destroy the nation and they've been targeting the families, the church and their agenda that they have set out to do it's the most mind blowing thing you just sit back and just go wow and it's not that we become alarmist because there's, there's these weird groups of people out there that are alarmist. <laughs> and you say, well, what is it? What is, what, what is the purpose of knowing it? It's not to, if you would, to make us an alarmist, but it's make us to be realist. This is the reality of what we're living. Each day you're behind enemy lines. Each day it's getting darker. And I've been telling you, you say, well, then what's the hope? The church is still on the earth. Like, we're still here. There's work to be done. And so I'm very passionate to see you all grow in the Word, to get rooted in Christ. Listen, we could do church like everyone else. We can go get a building on the corner, and, and we could do all the programs, have everything that every other church has. But that's not what God has called us to. God has called us to a living room to be the church. We fully function as a church. We just, our services are different. Why do we start now at 9.30? My expectation is for everyone to be here. If you can be here at that time, is because prayer is vital. To pray together, to come together, to seek God's face. You say, oh, but it's such a long time. Listen, we do everything else for hours. I've got three hours on a Sunday morning with you all, most of you, to equip you for what you're going to face every day for 24 hours. If you're not applying truth to your life, you're going to be overtaken. You're going to be led astray. 
the deception that's rising up on this earth. It's influencing the church. Why do you think that all the letters to the churches, it's telling them, they're warning them of what's to come. And we're living in these days. And so you just go, wait a minute, is this all true? Of course it is. Because mankind couldn't have made this. And you see the force behind it. Like when you realize the strategic plan for one world government, and it's listed here. It tells us there's going to come a day, a one world government, a one world religion. And if you've never studied prophecy, if you start looking into prophecy, you won't find America. America has to go. We're the last hope in the world. Secular people, not even religious people, secular people who are anti-God knows this. We're the only nation that still offers hope to the world. You take away America, there's no hope left. Why do you think the agenda is, is to destroy the image of America, even amongst Americans? We hate our nation. There's a, there's, a, there's a rally, there's a movement rising up within our nation that hates our nation. They're dividing us. They're sowing in division and strife. But the churches here, you all, are you living as such? You can't just hold a form of religion. You just can't talk. You have to live it. But understand, in living it comes persecution. Look at what's happening to our brothers and sisters overseas. They're being beheaded. The churches are being burned down. Pastors and their families are being slaughtered. Christians are being marched out in the public as an example to stop them from talking about Jesus. Hope, love. In our nation, true Christians are looked at crazy folk. They're looking at the ones who, who are spreading hate. Oh, they're so judging. They're judge, judgmental. Listen. If we're not being rooted into Christ, then we're being rooted apart from him. And there's the wrath of God that's being stored up because of sin. And this is the hope that we have as Christians to go out into this world to tell others there is a way. There is hope. His name is Jesus, like he came to save us, he came to deliver us. And the whole reason of walking through the Bible with you all is that my, 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 my heart is, is that each of us will get a true glimpse, a picture of who God is. Like we see him from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He's the same God here and here and the God that's coming. And if we really get a glimpse of him, how can we deny him? If we don't have the right fear of God, which we should fear God, He's holy. He's holy. And I'm just not talking about a reverend, like, oh, yes, you No, I'm talking like, oh, God. And you say, is that biblical? Of course it's biblical. But in our generation, we want to strip it. We want to say, no, 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 no. God is all love. There's no need to fear God. Just live however you want. God knows. God understands. God, God doesn't care about that. But do you see how we're being lulled asleep? 
But in saying that, you don't have to be, you have to have the right picture of who God is and the right understanding of fearing Him. Like, I fear God, but I don't get up every day thinking He's going to strike me down. You see the difference? Like, it's a fear that produces righteousness, right living. It's a fear that draws you closer to Him, yet with your hands up. Like, you, you, you just don't play with the presence of God. Because when you make God common, He's no longer God. See what the enemy has done from the beginning. How did he deceive Eve? He made her doubt. God. How does he deceive us? He makes us doubt God. He, he, he twists scripture to make him so common that his blood and his sacrifice meant nothing. Because we're just going to stay in bondage. But the hope of the Christian is that there's freedom, you all. It's freedom. And that's the hope all through Scripture. As you study Scripture, as you read through Scripture, it's freedom. And that's, I want you to go to Numbers chapter 9. We're going to read through, I'm sorry, chapters 8 through 9. Today is our reading in the Old Testament. But you have to remember that God is setting a people apart back in the Old Testament. The Israelites. God has set them apart so that they can represent Him to the other nations. Remember, the whole purpose is the Messiah, Jesus. Remember back in the garden, God told them, There's going to come one that's going to crush the serpent's head. Jesus is prophesied back then. He's coming. See, God's plan all along from the beginning to the end is to have a people, y'all should know this by now, who he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. That they would live for him, that they would honor him, that they would recognize that this world is not our home. This is just a temporal place. We're just passing through. Like for eternity, we will be with our God. And that's good news. It's great news. We will walk with our God. We are restored unto Him. And we don't have to wait until we're there because we can walk now with Him in His presence. He will provide. He will tend to us. He will get us through those those valleys and over the mountains. (laughs) Our hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. And so as we see him set apart a people, and now he, and as we've been reading, now he has them out in the wilderness. He's freed them from Egypt, their place of slavery, their place of bondage. He's brought them out in such a miraculous way. He's now showing them how to worship him like he's dwelling among them. They built this tabernacle that they have to erect every time they camp and every time they move on, they have to tear it down and move, 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 it, with, move with it. And remember, he's organized them in camps around the tabernacle. And the other nations are looking in. And remember, the other nations are not afraid of the Israelites. They recognize, wait a minute, the God that they're following is God. 
and yet they won't come to worship him. They will continue to worship their gods. They will continue to make their idols. They will continue to be just as wicked and perverse. Listen, the wickedness and the perversion that we're seeing is nothing new to mankind. It's been around from the beginning. Vile living. (laughs) Lives apart from God. There will be people who will not come to Christ. It's their choice. And we don't hate them. They're not our enemies. But we should have compassion on them. We should be bold enough to tell them the truth. And not lose our witness among them because we don't want to offend them. Listen, the gospel offends people. If it didn't, it's not the gospel. When you hold up this mirror to your life, you ought to be offended. You ought to go, oh, oh, no, that's not, no, I don't look right. I don't look good. That's your posture because that brings you down to go, oh, but God, you're good. And you love me. Like, you're drawing me to you? Listen, I was a horrible man. The filth and the junk. Like, when I think about what I used to do, and I go, oh, God. And yet I thought it was fun. Yes, I thought it was the trend. Yet I thought it was what it was. It was who I was. Do whatever. But God shows himself to us, and it should bring us down. And be like, oh God, I'm sorry. I need you. These people were set apart. And there's a lot of laws, there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of things that we're reading now. And they were expected to obey God. He kept warning them. Do not become like the other nations. Do not let them influence you to where now you go back to to parade with them and their perversion, worshiping their false idols, doing what they're doing. No, 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 no. Protect what I've given you. Abide with me. Walk with me. Remain with me. And I will get you to the promised land. It's no different than in the New Testament. Jesus has come. He's done all that, that was purposed to be done. To fulfill what God has already purposed, to have a people that he will call his own, and in return they will call him their God. We don't have, if you would, the law and the rituals and everything on us like the Old Testament. And some people twist it and say, well, see... See, we don't have to do all of that because of Christ. Oh, no, no, no. Understand the New Testament. The New Testament tells us it was easier back in the Old Covenant (laughs) because now in the New Covenant, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You don't have the priests. You don't have all this other stuff carrying on like they did back in the Old Testament. Oh, no, 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 no. Those are the three that you stand before. So it's not about following the law. It's not about, you know, doing and doing and doing. Oh, I'm going to be good. I have to do this because I have to be good for God. That was never God's intent even when he gave the law. The law was given to show them their need for God. Remember last week when we read, 
These people were set apart. They were doing things. But then at the end of the chapter, chapter 6, it points back to God. And that's what you see all through the Old Testament. Though the law was given, though the standards, though the rules, all of this was given, it kept pointing back to God saying, you can't, but God can. And that was my phrase for us last week, but God. But God. My situation looks like this. I see my life like this, but God. God can move. God can heal. God can restore. God can provide. But God. Our hope is in God. And so in the New Testament, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. And so in that, that understanding, now we are in Christ. If you're a Christian, if you accepted Jesus, now you're in Christ. So the law is fulfilled. So it's not that it's a list of rules and laws now, but no, it's just a way of life. And so when we divert off the path, we go, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit brings correction. We repent, we get back, and we move forward. We don't stay condemned. We don't stay shame, you know, bound in shame and guilt and all that weird stuff that we do when we just look at ourselves. No, we know our God. He's a God of love. He's a God that restores. He's a God of hope. He's a God of newness. Because he's fulfilled it. What we couldn't do, he did. God, that's, that should get you up every day, no matter what you're facing. Like, he's alive. He's real. Like, he's resurrected. Sin and death are defeated. Hell has no right or authority over us. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of God. And that's why when I see this picture, and I posted it, if you haven't already seen it, those ten Christians down on their knees on Christmas morning, and the Islamists came and beheaded them. They were secure in Christ. What can man do to us? Let them hate us. Let them come for us. Let them drag us out. What can they do? The Bible says that we ought not to fear man and what they could do to this temporal body. No, the Bible says we ought to fear God, the one who can not only destroy our physical body, but send us to hell. That's in the Bible, in the New Testament. Like when I read what's going on in the church today, I go, God, help us. Help us to be the church, you all. Help us get up every day. Help us to know our God. So when we're opening the Old Testament, let's not be bored with it. Let's not be like, oh, it's a lot of readings, a lot of stuff. No, let us see Christ in it. Let us see God in it. God, what is your purpose? What is, what is your plan? What are you revealing to us? Because God, we want to know you more. We want to know how great our God is. Because we know how great he is, we'll live for him. Because what else can trouble us? In this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus says, be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world. See, you live from a different perspective. You don't live anymore as a victim. You live as a victor. You're not praying at a place of defeat. No, you're praying now at, from a place of victory. 
Like, you don't look at your circumstances and allow them to weigh so heavy on you. No, you throw yourself up. You, you throw them off and you pick yourself up. You say, wait a minute. God is for me. He's not against me. Like, you've got to preach yourself happy. Because a lot of times there ain't no one else around in your room when you're by yourself. When you're driving, when you're just going through life and life just seems to be battering you left and right. Like there's an all-out assault on you to destroy you. And that visual I give you all all the time. If I came to you and I started beating the hell out of you, you're going to do what you can to fight back. So why aren't you fighting spiritually? Why aren't you getting up every day dressing for battle? The Bible tells us what our armor is. Why are you not pursuing your new identity instead of holding on and demanding that you remain who you were? What good is that person? Where has he gotten you or she gotten you? But when you start living with the freshness and the newness of life in Christ, when your eyes are open and you recognize, wait a minute, this is just a temporal world. Here today, gone tomorrow. Oh, there's a way to live. And ah, the Bible says to be as innocent as doves and wise as serpents. Know your enemy, but don't exalt him above your God. Know your flesh, but don't exalt it, those desires, those needs and wants above your God. And know the enticement of the world, but don't let its pull be exalted above your God. Know your God. Because knowing him you can't help but live for him. The Lord, chapter 8, said to Moses, Give Aaron the following instructions. When you set up the seven lamps in the lampstand, place them so their light shines forward in front of the lampstand. So Aaron did this. He set up the seven lamps so they reflected their light forward, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The entire lampstand, from its base to its decorative blossoms, was made of beaten gold. It was built according to the exact design the Lord has shown Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now set the Levites apart from the rest of the people of Israel and make them ceremonially clean. Do this by sprinkling them with the water of purification and have them shave their entire body and wash their clothing. Then they would be ceremonially clean. Have them bring a young bull and a grain offering of your choice, of choice flour moistened with olive oil along with the second young bull for a scent offering. Then assemble the whole community of Israel and present the Levites at the entrance of the tabernacle. When you present the Levites before the Lord, the people of Israel must lay their hands on them. Raising his hands, Aaron must then present the Levites to the Lord as a special offering from the people of Israel, thus dedicating them to the Lord's service. It's purification. The symbolism of, of the people of Israel laying hands on the priests, the Levites. Remember, before the priests were, were there, they, they brought in the animals, or even now, when they were doing the sacrifices, they would bring the animals in to the priest, and they would lay hands on the animal, so that they're take, they knew that the animal was taking their place 
to be sacrificed for their sins. So now they're laying their hands as a symbol for these men to stand in accordance with God on their behalf. They're they're entrusting them to God. And now these men are being washed clean. They're being they're 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 set apart now for the service of the Lord. This is huge. Then he goes on. Next the Levites will lay by I'm sorry. Next Levites, next the Levites will by their hands, lay their hands on the heads of the young bulls, present one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering to the Lord, to purify the Levites and make them right with the Lord. Then have the Levites stand in front of Aaron and his sons and raise your hands and present them as a special offering to the Lord. And this way you will set the Levites apart from the rest of the people of Israel, and the Levites will belong to me. After this, they may, they may go into the tabernacle to do their work because you have purified them and presented them as a special offering. Again, the holiness of God. God cannot be contaminated by sin. And did you see the two elements of which are taking place during this service here? Blood, water, and blood. As it was here, so it is in the New Testament. sacrifice of Christ. He was the greatest high priest, Jesus. People who come to Christ are now purified through him. We are now set apart as the priesthood of God. Every Christian, the Bible says that you are now part of the royal priesthood. Think about that. Think about how you think about your Christian life. Do you recognize yourself as the Bible recognizes you? As the royal priesthood? That you're set apart? That you are a chosen generation? That you have been engrafted into the family of God? That you're no longer your own, but you've now been set apart? That you're to walk upright in a crooked and perverse generation? That's all scripture. And so when we read it in the Old Testament, Christ fulfilled it in the New Testament. The same purpose that God had back then is the same purpose he has now and will have forever. That there will be a people that are set apart for himself. And in return, they will call him their God. It's beautiful. And then he goes on, verse 16. Of all the people of Israel, Israel, the Levites are reserved for me. I have claimed them for myself in place of all the firstborn sons of of the Israelites. I have taken the Levites as their substitutes. For all the firstborn males among the people of Israel are mine, both of people and of animals. I set them apart for myself on the day I struck down all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians. Yes, I have claimed the Levites in place of all the firstborn sons of Israel. And of all the Israelites, I have assigned the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They will serve in the tabernacle on behalf of the Israelites and make sacrifices to purify the people so no plague will strike them when they approach the sanctuary. 
So Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel dedicated the Levites carefully following all the Lord's instructions to Moses. The Levites purified themselves from sin and washed their clothes, and Aaron lifted them up and presented them to the Lord as a special offering. He then offered a sacrifice to purify them and make them right with the Lord. After the Levites went to the tabernacle to perform their duties, assisting Aaron and his sons, so they carried out all the commands that the Lord gave Moses concerning the Levites. The Lord also instructed Moses, this is the rule to the Levites, the Levites must follow. They must begin serving in the tabernacle at the age of 25, and they must retire at the age of 50. After retirement, they must assist their fellow Levites by serving as guards at the tabernacle, but they may not officiate in the service. This is how you must assign duties to the Levites. And again, as we're doing this reading, one thing I keep pointing out is they did as the Lord commanded. They did. They followed every detail. And yet, as we keep reading, they're going to turn from God. They're going to get influenced by the other nations. They're going to forget all that God has done for them. And they're going to start wandering. The the grumbling and the complaining is going to even get louder. And how sad. But no difference than we find in churches today. God moves miraculously. God moves, reveals himself. People are in for a season, people out for a season. And I've always told you, I, we shouldn't get shocked when we see Christians fall. Because what else do Christians have to go back to but their old way of life? No, we should pray for them. We should encourage them to come back to God. That's why Christian fellowship is so vital. So vital. And if people don't want it, then yeah, they need to be put out. Yeah, they need to go. Because we have to protect what God has given us. Like we can't just treat it lightly. I mean, look how God instructed (coughs) his people. Chapter 9. A year after the Israel, after Israel's departure from Egypt, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. In the first month of that year, he said, Tell the Israelites to celebrate the Passover at the prescribed time. At twilight on the 14th day of the first month, be sure to follow all my decrees and regulations concerning the celebration. So Moses told the people to celebrate the Passover in the wilderness of Sinai as twilight fell on the 14th day of the month. And they celebrated the festival there, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. But some of the men had become ceremonially defiled by touching a dead body, so they could not celebrate the Passover that day. They came to Moses and Aaron that day and said, We have become ceremonially unclean by touching a dead body. But why should we be prevented from presenting the Lord's offering at the proper time with the rest of the Israelites? Moses answered, Wait here until I have received instruction for you from the Lord. And I don't want you to miss that. Again, I don't want us just to read through and miss. This was a celebration that the Lord has put into place. But these men also knew that, wait a minute, we're unclean. 
Because remember, death is a symbolism of sin. And men who were set apart at that time, even women who were set apart at that time that took that Nazarite vow that we learned last week, like they couldn't be around anything dead. They couldn't even touch a dead body. And if they were, they had to, they had to go through a ritual in order to get pure again before the Lord. They just can't come into the Lord's presence. And so their heart was genuine. They're like, wait a minute, we're unclean, but we don't want to miss out. We don't want to miss out on the celebration, on remembering what God has done for us. And I love Moses' response to them. Wait. Wait until I hear from God on how to instruct you. That's a lesson we can learn. So many times we want answers right away. Sometimes you just have to wait in prayer. Sometimes you just got to trust that God is going to give us the right instructions. And he did. Moses answered again, wait here until I have reached instructions for you from the Lord. This way the Lord's reply to this was the Lord's reply to Moses. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of my people now or in the future generations are ceremonially unclean at Passover time because of touching a dead body, or if they are on a journey and cannot be present at the ceremony, they may still celebrate the Lord's Passover. They must offer the Passover sacrifice one month later at twilight on the 14th date of the second month. They must eat the Passover lamb at the time with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. They must not leave any of the lamb until the next morning, and they must not break any of its bones. They must follow all the normal regulations concerning the Passover. But those, verse 13, who neglect to celebrate the Passover at the regular time, even though they are ceremonially clean and not away on a trip, will be cut off from the community of Israel. If they fail to present the Lord's offering at the proper time, they will suffer the consequences of their guilt. I want you to hear that. (laughs) These people, God already knew that there would be those among them that are not going to truly worship God. He already knew. He knows our hearts. We can't fool him. He knows us. Remove them from the community. And listen to that. If they fail to present the Lord's offering at the proper time, they will suffer the consequences of their guilt. Remember Jesus' words in the New Testament to the leading priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, these religious men? He tells them, you're going to die in your sin. How horrible it's going to be for you. Like what's about to take place to you when you stand before God, you're going to be severely judged. Your heart's not right with God. Remember, he tells these men, your father's the devil. He's exposing it. He's exposing them. He's exposing the enemy. He's exposing the lies and the deceptions that they're believing. And they refuse to hear. Because they want to keep living how they want to live. Remember when Jesus had those huge thousands upon thousands of people following him. They were so moved by him. 
He was feeding them. He was doing miracles. And then he finally had to turn his teaching to really point to who he was. You must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. He started to lay out the understanding that he was heading to the cross. And do you remember what the thousands upon thousands did? Ah, this is too hard to understand. What is he saying? They were just so impressed with him just a minute ago. But now all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. What is it? I can't understand it. And so what do they do? They turn back. Because where else can mankind go? So back to their old ways. And then he looks at the 12 and says, are you leaving too? Remember their response? Where can we go? You hold the words to eternal life. Like what is behind us that can even compare to you? Oh, but let's not forget one of them still among the 12 was Judas. The one who eventually would betray Jesus. He hung around Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus. These people would hang around Israel. They were part of the community. They saw God move in such an incredible way. They've seen him deliver them. I mean, miraculous things are taking place. And there's still going to be people among the community who is going to be flippant about worship. Flippant about God's presence. Ah, whatever. I'll come if I come. I come if I don't. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Who are you to judge me? I'm going to do whatever I want. But God says, tell them. Let them know what the outcome is of that attitude towards me. Remember, he's a holy God, you all. Then he goes on, and if foreigners living among you want to celebrate the Passover of the Lord, they must follow these same decrees and regulations. The same laws apply to both the native-born Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. I love that picture because, again, remember, God's plan and purpose from the beginning was for the world. It's for the world. That's what Jesus came for. To save mankind. Yes, he set a nation apart for himself to bring about what he's going to purpose, but the intent was always everyone. There's no one excluded from the hope that can be found in Christ. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. Well, let's not miss this portion of reading. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp in this way. They traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. 
Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days, so the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed overnight and lifted the next morning, but day or night when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. The presence of God among his people. Remember, remember he's leading them to the promised land. They could have got there a lot sooner. But remember, they grumble, they complain, they fault find. They weren't ready to enter in what God had for them. So he took them through the wilderness. <laughs> Forty years. And then, we're gonna, we're, we, we know if you've already read or if you've heard before, the generation that was delivered out of Egypt didn't reach the promised land. They all had to die off. Because their hearts... We're right with God. They didn't even enter in. Moses himself doesn't enter into the promised land. He sees it from a distance. Because he acted in the flesh. <laughs> See, God is serious. God is serious about his presence. He's leading them. They're camping one day, next day. They're camping for a year, year's time, it's time to move on. They're moving forward. God is leading them. They're trusting in God. They had his very presence among them. And so do we. As Christians... The Bible says that we've received the Holy Spirit, God himself inside us. That's why we don't yoke ourselves to, to people, to things, to, to the temporalness of this world. And still think we're honoring Christ. Because it's not honoring Christ. And yet, what do we hear in our churches today? Ah, if ever you want. Jesus loves you. Remember, they've infiltrated the church. but we're already told that's going to happen. Dumb down the church, strip them of their truth, and you'll destroy their nation. You'll take away the hope. Like other people who have, coming to, who have come to America from socialist countries, they're scared to death because they see what's happening here, what took place there. And Americans are not doing anything about it. In fact, the American people are rallying around it. Looking to the government to take care of them. They want, we want everything free. We want everything given to us. We want the government to do. And that was never the purpose of our nation. See, God births nations for a reason. This nation was birthed for a reason. And now we're being destroyed, not by outside influences, 
but within. Because they've crept into the community of God's people to strip down God and to make him common. To make him like man. In churches, you all. We're not talking about people on the outside of the church. We're talking about in churches. Watch denominations. Watch what's being preached. Watch what's being exalted. Look around. There's such a move now within our churches for social justice. Listen, the gospel was never meant for social justice. It was meant for salvation. It was meant for his kingdom. Not the earth. Not to make the earth better. Like it's twisted. And you will get caught up in it if you're not abiding in Christ. If you're not remaining in Christ. If you're not remaining in his presence, just as we can learn from them. And that's why the Old Testament, I mean, the New Testament tells us, why do we have the Old Testament? So that we can learn. So that we see the errors of their ways and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, why, did, why are they leaving his presence? Why are they going this way? Why are they going that way? Why are they being influenced this way? It's all for their destruction. And that's what we find as Jesus himself, as we go into the book of Mark. You know, he's prophetically telling his disciples of the destruction of the tabernacle, of, 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 the, of, their, of their temple, of the things to come. Like, again, this isn't just a, a little book that men have put together. Like, this is actual events that have taken place leading up to a glorious event of Christ's return to gather those who belong to him. For eternity, we're talking about. For eternity. Go to Mark, chapter 13. Mark 13, we're going to read verses 14 through 37. Jesus' words, you all. I'm going to have Carrie um, give a little devotional um, in our notes that she'll send out. And I would just encourage you to go back and read through this devotional. It talks about um, the, the section of numbers that we just read through. It's encouraging us to, to abide in Christ, to continue to let him lead us. Mark chapter 13, verse 14 through 37, Jesus' words. Remember we left off last week. He was telling them. Like verse, let's just look at verse 12. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. These are Jesus' words. Oh, come on, Jesus. Give us a better message. Make us feel good about ourselves. What kind of craziness is this? That's how you would want to respond. Like, wait a minute. Well, what's the benefit of following you? My family's going to turn against me? Like I'm going to be hated? Like my children will turn me over to be killed? Look at this. 
These are Jesus' words. How have we changed his words to make it get your best life now? Listen, what's being promoted in churches today is superstition. Come sit for an hour. We'll perform for you. We'll make you feel good. And go out and just exist. Listen, it's the most craziest thing. I didn't give up my life to have someone perform for me. And to make me feel like I'm right with God. No, only Jesus could make me right with God. That's why I'm passionate about Jesus. Listen to his words. Is the church ready for this? Are you ready for this? If you wake up tomorrow night and all of a sudden our economy collapses, the social reign takes over our nation, they already want to silence the church, they want to make it a governmental-run institution that you only can preach what the government tells you to preach, are you ready to stand up and say no? Are you ready to go to your jobs when they tell you, listen, you have to deny your faith. You can't talk about this anymore. You can't live this way anymore. Are you ready to say no? And you say, but that's an alarmist. No, that's being real. Because overnight things are changing. What used to take years to change, like overnight. Overnight, do you realize now in the world in which you live in, there's no longer male and female. Like, do you all understand that? And if you dare say, or if you dare even look odd to it, you could get arrested. If you say the wrong pronoun in New York, you could be fined. You could be arrested. Your your business could be shut down if you call a ma'am, a lady, a sir. Or a lady. And she considers herself a man. Or she considers herself not having any sex. Like this is crazy. Like do you understand the conditioning that is taking place within our world? Do you understand? Look over in Europe. Like they're they're telling the social media people, we want names. The government over in Europe, we want to know who are the hate speech people. Who's posting things? So this isn't to be alarm us to be afraid and we all go live in the woods. Oh, no, 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 no. That's ridiculous. Because we're not to hide. We're just to live. But I can't, as a pastor, stand before you all just to preach you a good, come, feel, feel good message. When this is the way the world is going, are we really going to be able to stand when you're told to deny Christ? And my my issue is with the church is that we can't even stand for Christ now when life throws a curveball at us. All of a sudden, we don't want God. All of a sudden, we have a problem with God. All of a sudden, I'm just going to live. I have this much of God. I have this much of me. Everything is fine. God is fine with me. Who are we kidding? Open up the word. And Jesus himself says, but God. Remember I said last week? Whenever 
wrath, the picture of doom and gloom is before us, we have to remember, but God. Because they go together, hand in hand, his wrath and his love, from the old to the new. But he who endures to the end, there's your hope, will be saved. That's why those ten men could get on their knees and be beheaded with a confident hope that they know their God. Listen, if all this is just fake, if all this is, it's, it's, it is what it is, it's just this fluff stuff, ah! But if it isn't, do you realize the alternative of an eternity separated from a loving God? This is what we're dealing with, you all. These are Jesus' words. He goes on, the day is coming, verse 14, when you will see the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing where he should not be. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter, for there will be a greater anguish in those days than at any time since God created the world. Remember, these are Jesus' words. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the Lord, look at this, shortens the time of calamity, not a single person will survive. But for the sake of his chosen ones, he has shortened those days. All this craziness is happening. But yet God is still remembering those who belong to him. The days are going to grow shorter, you all. Then, if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false prophets, or for false messiahs, and false prophets will rise up, and look what they will do. Perform signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Watch out! I have warned you about this ahead of time. At that time, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn and listen from the fig tree. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. Listen to this. In the same way, when you see all of these things taking place, you can know that his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when those things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. The coming of the man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. 
When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the household will return, in the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. This is good news, you all. If you're not a Christian, I'm not sure what's keeping you. <laughs> well, I do know what's keeping you. It's yourself. There's still something of you that you like, that you don't want to give up. But God is calling us to a life of surrender, to a life of wholeness, to a life of peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, to an exciting life because we are purposed for such a time as this. You have life in your body. God created you. He knew you would be alive during this time. And the Bible says that he has prepared you to do works in this hour. But if we're not busy about our father's business, then we're just busy about our own. And really, that's what you want your life to be marked as? Just about your own self? Because God is pleased to reveal himself to us, you all. Through his son, Jesus. And these are Jesus' words. And who are we to strip him down and make him so common and, and be in his church and act like his presence is nothing? Oh, we better wake up. We better wake up. When I was dead for those six, eight seconds a couple weeks ago, and I was going into that brilliant light, and I heard all of that clamoring behind me, and though I told you all this before, though this experience has happened before and my heart has stopped, this was different I was further out of my body and I was further towards the light than ever before. And I was at such peace. I was at such peace. And ever since I've been back, my, I've been shaking every day. Like, oh God. And not in a, in a weird way, but in a way that every moment is precious. Every moment is like, oh God. And what brought my attention was all the clamoring behind me. And, and, and as I turned and I looked behind me, and my mother squeezed my hand, I knew it wasn't my time. As much as I wanted to, to keep going. <sighs> And even all those people working on me, even on that bed, I said to God, God, I don't want to waste any more time. Like none of us know the day or hour. None of us know when our last moment is going to be, but do you have the hope and the security of where you're going to end up for eternity? Are you going to face the light? Or are you going to just face darkness? The abyss? And for what? For what? Because you want to cling to your life now? Like, I just want everything. I just want to do me. Then do you. You have a right to do you. But that's your choice. 
It's not God. You can't blame God. You can't blame him because he's a just God. He's a God full of love and mercy and compassion. He's a God who says, I've created you. I know you. Just come to me. Just receive me. How do I receive him? Just say, God, I believe. It's as simple as that, that you would have a belief and a confession. That Jesus is the son of God and that he rose from the dead. That Jesus is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead. If that is your belief and if that is your confession, the Bible says that you were saved. And then from that step, you're baptized. Being baptized doesn't make you saved. Your confession and your belief. But that baptism is the outward sign of you going down and coming up again as a new creation. It's the ordinance that Christ has placed. Baptism and communion are the ordinances are the only two that the church of Christ are to be doing. You accept Christ. Not when you're perfect, okay, I got my life together. No, because then you've got the wrong view of God. No, you've got to see yourself as rebellious. You've got to see yourself like I'm separated from you. But you've made a way for me? Like you love me that much you've made a way for me, like there's not all these expectations on me, like I could just freely come to you and receive such great love. And then in receiving such great love, I'm not going to keep blaspheming you. I'm not just going to keep trampling on your blood like it means nothing. No, no, God, I'm going to love you with everything. God, I want to grow. I want to mature. And that's my hope for us as a fellowship in this new year is that we will grow (laughs) Or that you will go. <laughs> I just don't want people here just to, okay, just, I just show up. Show up somewhere else. You know? And I'm not being mean. I'm not expecting anyone to be perfect, but I am expecting, like, listen, this is what we have. This is who we have. To, to encourage one another. To love one another. To pick up the phone, to call each other, to text each other. When life hits, that we're there for each other. That we have a family, that we honor and we protect what God has given us. And we're saying we're all in this. Each of us play a part, play a role. Each of us need to contribute to what God is doing among us so that our community, our city, our state, our nation, and even the world will be impacted with your life. Because you don't know whose life you're going to impact that will impact a farther distance than what I could or you could. Oh, we got to get a glimpse of who our God is. We got to see him for who he is. Listen to what he's saying. A simple belief, a bold confession. Like Again, Jesus is the son of God and he rose from the dead. That annihilates the enemy. That shatters every stronghold that has bound you. And when you really believe it, you walk differently. Your head is up. You're not perfect, but you walk differently. Your head is up. You have a hunger for more things of God. Oh, I know how I used to. See, this is what you would say. Oh, I know me. I know what I would do. Oh, but I want to know this new person. 
And I'll know this new person as I know my God. As I have a hunger, God, give me a hunger. God, keep me attentive to your word. God, if I got to break this relationship, if I got to break this, if I got to give this up, if I got to give that up, God, it's for your glory, it's for your honor. Though it hurts, though it's painful, God, I'm trusting that you'll see me through it. Because you're good. So you have to have the right picture of God. Go to Psalm. Wrap it up. Psalm 50. Remember, we're walking through the book of Psalms because I want to encourage you all to look up. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, the psalmist went through life, you all. The good, the bad, the ugly. They went through it. They were depressed. They were anxious. They were hungry. They were lost. They were being chased down. And they penned these psalms under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to not only draw them, but to draw us to look up. Don't look out. You're feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling anxious. Look up. You're feeling depressed. You're feeling discouraged. Life just doesn't seem to be working out. Look up. Psalm 50. The Lord, the Mighty One, is God. And He has spoken. He has surrendered all humanity. I'm sorry, He has summoned all humanity from where the sun rises to where it sets. What a beautiful picture, you all. From Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines in glorious radiance. Our God approaches, and He is not silent. Fire devours everything in His way. And a great storm rages around him. He calls on the heavens above and the earth below to witness the judgment of his people. Bring my faithful people to me, those who made a covenant with me by giving sacrifices. Then let the heavens proclaim his justice, for God himself will be the judge. What a beautiful picture. Listen to the description of our God. Look at the final judgment. Oh, my people, listen as I speak. Here are my charges against you, O Israel. I am God, your God. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offered. But I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. For all the animals of the forest are mine. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. And keep the vows you made to the Most High. And then call me when you're in trouble. And I will rescue you. And you will give me glory. He's letting them know. You can't be like the other nations who offer sacrifices to their idols. Who thinks that their wooden carved statues eat the meat and drink the blood. I don't need your goats. I don't need your animals. I'm God. I own it all. If I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. He's God. Remember, it all comes back to the heart. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. 
in your worship, in your time of prayer. We don't offer sacrifices anymore. But in our time of worship, in our time of prayer, in our time of fasting, in our time of obedience, should be all with the right heart attitude. Verse 16, but God says to the wicked, why bother reciting my decrees and pretending to obey my covenant? For you refuse my discipline and treat my words like trash. When you see thieves, you approve of them. You spend time with adulterers. Your mouth is filled with wickedness and your tongue is full of lies. You sit around and slander your brother and your own mother's son. While you did all of this, I remained silent. And you thought I didn't care. Hmm. But now I will rebuke you. Listing all my charges against you. Repent, all of you who forget me, or I will tear you apart, and no one will help you. Thank God he didn't stop there. Remember, I've always told you in Scripture, whenever you see like, oh, look how he ends it. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Listen to what he just said to the wicked. The wicked sitting among his people. Oh, you play church. You call yourself a Christian. But you're not. You're vile and you're wicked. And you think just because I'm silent, I approved of what you're doing? Oh, no, 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 God says. I'm coming for you. This is God, you all. You can pretend to make him however you want. But hear him today. Oh, no, no, no. I'm coming for you. And I'm going to tear you apart. You've made a mockery of me in front of others. You said you belonged to me? And you kept living like you were living? And you think just because I didn't deal with you then that it was okay? Oh, no, 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 no. Know this. I'm coming for you. And you will be destined for my wrath. But, repent. Repent. Stop doing it. And give thanks. Live a life that truly honors me. Seek me. And I will show you the path. I will lead you to salvation. Security. Hope. Like again, there's nothing in this world, you all, that is worth losing your soul. There's no relationship. There's no struggle. There's no desire that is worth it. This is the word of God. And God honors his presence. His word. This isn't a game. Like we all just shuffle in. We, we do our rituals. We do whatever. And then we just shuffle right back out and live however we want. Like that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even make sense. So that's why I'm challenging us. 
Look where you're at. Look where you've been this past year. And if there's things in your life that you've got to get right with God, stop delaying it. Stop delaying it. Get right. Get right. Let go. Move on. Because this is what we're talking about. The times are urgent. The time is now to live for Christ, you all, to stand for Christ, to honor Him and to love Him, to seek Him with everything. And even if you're new, even if you're, even if you're still young in your faith, it's okay. No one expects you to be the super saint. My expectations for all of us is that we would just desire to grow. That we all, including myself, will be teachable. And that we wouldn't put anyone on a pedestal like, oh, they got it all together. Because no, we don't, I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. <laughs> but God does. So we collectively come together and say, God, have your way among us. Go to Proverbs. Chapter 10, just two verses. Nuggets of wisdom, I call them. The book of Proverbs is wisdom. If you need a good book, there's 31 Proverbs. I think there's, is there 31 days in January? Or is there 30? 31. 31 days. So take a proverb each day. It's full of wisdom. You need a book, another book, to really get rooted in Christ? Go to the book of John. <laughs> Read through the book of John. If you really want to challenge yourself this year, Start in the book of Acts. After you read the book of John, start in Acts and work your way through Jude. <laughs> That's the Christian life. Like, I want to challenge you all to grow this year. Two nuggets of wisdom. Proverbs 10, verse 29 and 30. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to those with integrity, but it destroys the wicked. The godly will never be disturbed, but the wicked will be removed from the land. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to those with integrity, but it destroys the wicked. The godly will never, I love this, will never be disturbed, but the wicked will be removed from the land. Hope that we find in Christ, you all. Nothing can compare to it. Nothing can compare to it. Go to Galatians chapter 6 real quick. And then we're going to have communion and wrap up and worship and then we are finished. Galatians chapter 6. Our scripture reading for this year, for 2020, is going to be chapter 6, 1 through 10. Let's hear this as we look upon 2020. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this same way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. 
For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. He's writing to the church. He's not writing to the lost. Within the church of Galatia, he's writing and he's encouraging them. Did you hear it? Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest and decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. You're sowing to something. And my challenge for us this year is to sow into righteousness, to right standing with God, not because of us, but because of Christ. Like, get up every day and go throughout your day. Allow, allow your thoughts, allow your heart attitude, allow your words to run through the one in whom you're saying you believe in. And if that belief is, is really your belief and your confession, then allow the correction and the discipline of God to take place in your life so that you will not remain the same. So our verse for the upcoming year is verse 7. Chapter 6, verse 7, for the year of 2020, we have one verse. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And some other translation says you will reap what you sow. So let us be sowers of good and not bad. Let us be sowers unto Christ and not unto self. Because nothing good can come from self. Amen. I'm going to pass out the elements of those who want to do communion. If you don't, it's not a big deal. But I want to give everyone the opportunity. If you're a Christian and you want to take communion with us, you're more than happy to take the elements. Um, I'm going to play this song while I'm passing this out. And then we'll have um, the elements. And then we'll close with one final song.
glory this I sing all my praise to you I bring glory glory this I sing all my praise to you Savior. So before we take of them, Carrie, would you pray over the bread? Jesus, you told your disciples in the last supper that this do in remembrance of me. And you broke the bread as a physical manifestation of your broken body that you freely laid down on behalf of our sins so that there would never have to be another physical sacrifice or payment for sin. So today we do this as a physical representation and remembering that sacrifice. So together we come, Jesus, and we say thank you. Thank you for making that sacrifice so that we can be forgiven, so that we can know what true freedom is. Freedom from our past, freedom from shame, from guilt, from condemnation. Freedom to walk in victory for the rest of our lives, regardless of our circumstances. You have made a way where there seemed to be no way. And because of your broken body, we have the assurance, if we confess and believe in our heart, we can have the assurance of eternity with you. Freedom from the wrath of hell. So we say thank you for your body and this do in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take the bread. Gilda, if you pray over the cup. 
the opportunity to repent, to be made right in your sight. Thank you, Jesus, for your ultimate sacrifice, Lord God. And I pray that we would constantly remember the price that you paid for us, Lord God. Thank you that the gift is free to us, but that it was not free to you. Thank you for paying the price that we could not pay. Father, we just thank you and worship you in Jesus' name. Take the cup.
Yeah.